0: What's happening, friends? This is Syracuse Football Postgame. Presented by Krause Health, the exclusive health care provider for Syracuse Athletics. Brent Axe in Syracuse, New York. Emily Liker in Atlanta, Georgia. Home of Coca-Cola, amongst other things. And home of a loss tonight for Syracuse Football. Georgia Tech 31, Syracuse 22. That is the final uh, from downtown Atlanta. The Oranger 5-6 and they must beat Wake Forest at the Dome next Saturday in order to get over the finish line of bowl eligibility. That's something that Georgia Tech did tonight and was quite happy about, by the way. You can see the celebrations on the field and the uh, celebration from their head coach, Brent Key, and that team. As we saw Syracuse Emily two years ago when they got to 6-0 and knew they were bowl eligible, like that huge sigh of relief that that group of seniors, that group of veteran players that had not got bowl eligibility, got it. So you could see that from Georgia Tech tonight. Syracuse is going to need to barely get over the finish line if they're going to get there at all. And they have to beat Wake Forest next week to do it, who lost to Notre Dame today, by the way, 45-7. Their season is pretty much over. They are uh, at four wins. They can't get bowl eligibility. So Dave Claussen has built a heck of a program there at Wake Forest. Not going to do it this year. So, Emily, there's a lot to go over in this game want to get your thoughts on what was said in post game and your view in Atlanta. But, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not heard, we have an exciting new way that you can get in touch with this podcast. We have a terrific text line. And I'm going to put the info there on your screen, 315-847-3895. Text the word ORANGE to that number, and you will get an offer. Two weeks free, and then after that, just three ninety nine a month. You know, Emily, it's like one latte. Right. We're worth one latte a month to give up, to interact with on during games. You can text me anytime. I was having a great back and forth with some texters during the game. I'm going to read some of those here momentarily. You're going to get my opinions first. You're getting plenty of my opinions on this game. Uh, And Emily, it's not just like a group text. Individually, I can pick out people who are texting me and text them back, like just have an outlet for you during the game. We had a lot of fun with that. We hope you can come aboard and be a part of this a growing texting community that we have, the Syracuse Sports Insider Line. You get priority on not only this podcast, but on Syracuse Sports as well. So all the info there at the bottom of your screen, just text the word ORANGE to 315-847-3895. And Emily, before we get to you and your thoughts on everything, as we mentioned, our texters get priority here and I want to read a couple from you guys on this one. I asked how uh, the, the, they were feeling after this game, this 31-22 loss and the situation going into next week with Wake Forest and the must-win there. Shout out to David, who says, I don't know, Brent, I'm a little numb. The team did show some grit. They lost their cool bit in response to a really chippy Georgia Tech team about number 55 spitting on a player and getting ejected. Uh, Dino must be the worst in-game coach in Division I, maybe ever, but he's a good recruiter and motivator and could still get to a bowl without a quarterback in the last three games. I don't know whether I want him or I want him to lose and finally move on. Well, I guess I want them to get to a bowl for the team and the school. What's the alternative, right? Still, will be hard to keep watching this BS, as he puts it. And uh, I wanted to read this text as well from Evan, 12 penalties just sickening. Four straight games with under 150 yards passing. 11 penalties tonight. It ended up 12, obviously, to go along with a fumbled kickoff and a botched extra point. And uh, let me just finish reading Evan's text here. As it cut off my screen? I'm well aware it won't happen. I'd respect John Wildhack if he pulled the plug on Babers and let Rocky Long take the reins. next week and start building the short list of coaching replacements ASAP. So another frustrated fan calling for a change there. Uh, This embarrassment shouldn't be allowed to go on even for one more day. Show the players and fans how serious we really are about football. So two texters right off the top there. Be a part of our texting community. You'll get priority here on the podcast. Emily, let me turn to you. Your view from Atlanta. What was said in postgame 24-3 at halftime. We're on our group chat that we have saying, well, is this going to happen? Are they going to like junk their way to another win here, a loss? They come up uh, just short in the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah. You know, I think the couple texts you read from people hit on some important things for like the big picture here, right? It's, we're heading into the last game of the season. Syracuse is still looking for bowl eligibility after starting the season four and oh, like they were two wins away week in September and have are now coming down to the final game of the season to earn bowl eligibility. Um, Yes, they have this powerful comeback that they, they almost pull off with this whack-a-doodle offense.
0: <laughs> whack-a-doodle no offense. I love that. Um, that's what we're calling it now. That's, that's officially that, the term
1: that has no quarterback and, or does have a quarterback, but not playing the quarterback position, but it, we see the same mistakes and the same issues that have been not just problems this season, but problems for all of Dino's tenure. And so yes, they're on the cusp again. Yes. It's always good to make a bowl. Yes. That yes, this, but also like, I don't know, like, I, I think, I think this game is very much like a thesis statement on Syracuse football. Like, just in terms of like how much of it was so predictable about what was happening, but also how much was unpredictable because it, it truly feels like we swing the pendulum both ways with this team in that like, sometimes they come out and like absolutely surprise us, but even when they surprise us, it's the things that are completely unsurprising that end up being the dictators of the game. And that was the case today.
0: Emily, Uh, it's not the age old question. Is the glass half full or half empty? Okay, Mm -hmm. it's not that you're going into the last game of the season with a head coach in his eighth year, having to barely get over the finish line to get to six and six. You don't have a quarterback that can throw the football. Now, Garrett's hurt and your backups hurt. So you have to put that into consideration. But to not have a and I said this last week and I thought it was going to be a problem and they got away with the Pittsburgh game and they almost won this game, which we have to note and, and discuss in a way but how do you not have a quarterback that can throw the darn football in the year of our Lord, 2023? Braden Davis throws one pass, and of course, with the penalties that you mentioned, ineligible receiver downfield, so it wouldn't even count uh, counted if it got caught. Luke McPhail comes in, one pass, one interception, right? So maybe that's why we're not seeing the passing game here, but it speaks to, and I know we're talking about a third-string quarterback here, but there are Duke is using their third string quarterback. And by the way, you know, Mike Elko getting the most out of that team and that six and five record is a little deceiving given his quarterback situation. NC State's winning with a backup quarterback. Unfortunately, Florida State had to. Now they beat North Alabama. You know, they could use their fourth string quarterback and beat that team. But Emily, it it just speaks to the bigger picture here. So will people even celebrate? Will people be happy or will it just be some sort of, relief if they do beat wake forest get the bowl elig- eligibility but what does that even mean right it's just it, you said it it's a true representation of here we go again 12 penalties tonight like nothing's advancing forward if anything they're just running in circles with the the run heavy of uh attack they've got to put out there the wackadoodle offense as, as you noted
1: right and you know like i i think there's like a pretty sad consensus among Syracuse fans and and some people in the athletic department that we've heard from that like getting to a bowl game it is like this big deal and of course like it is always good to to be able to play a 13th game but like when it when it feels like you're reaching for that like mm-hmm. it, I just it does not hit as an achievement they make it out to be and I I want to read this quote from Dan Valari I teased this a little bit on my my ex my twitter <laughs> But this was Dan's closing quote. He, We talked to Dino, LaQuinn, and Dan, because it's kind of like, who else do you talk to player-wise after that game? Um, and Dan got asked what it would mean to him to get bowl eligibility next week. And this is what he said. To be honest, a bowl game is not my standard. My standard is an ACC championship. That's what we can get now, meaning that we can get a bowl game. So we have to get that. That's the bare minimum in my eyes. I think it would mean a lot to this team. I want to play two more games for sure. I don't want to play this last one. I think we definitely got to do it for this coaching staff because they deserve it and for the seniors. Um, so not everyone on on this team is satisfied with a bowl game and having to reach for a sixth win. Good for him. And to go Good for and him you know for what? saying yeah. that. Yeah. Good for Dan for speaking up and saying that. Dan came out. I, I had a different first question lined up for him, and then he came out with, ice pack on his hand ice pack on his shoulder ice pack on his side literally he was like half ice coming to talk to us and I was like geez Dan how are you doing and of course he's like oh it's just sore like I'll be okay but like it, he's been asked to put this team on his back in the past two weeks and him and Lequin, I think there's shared their shared responsibility there and shared duty and you know I, I can understand it, it being frustrating like this is just a frustrating situation for them I think and I I wish some of them would
0: say that a little more. Yeah. God bless Dan, because he has been as honest, forthright, uh, entertaining. uh, Shameless plug, he was my guest this week on Syracuse Sports. We had a one-on-one conversation that was a lot of fun. And I appreciate his candor there. And that's what players should be saying. And that 13th game and the importance put on that 13th game, the difference in that, I brought it up a moment ago, Emily, is striking. Georgia Tech, they built to that right they've been building this they've had to rebuild brent key takes over they give him the job and getting there is what syracuse was a couple of years ago what syracuse was in 2018 after they had not been to a bowl game for a while right there's there's something to that they're ascending syracuse even if they get to a bowl game still feels like they fell there they don't feel like they earned it they achieved it they earned it but they didn't rise up to it there is a difference in a feeling in these things and 82 teams go to bowl games right so you need the extra practices you need the status you certainly don't want to be one of what 46 teams that don't go to a bowl game so i get that but i don't feel like every, there's going to be a collective celebration it's going to be a shrug of the shoulders like hey good for you if you get there right and and the manner and, and what they did and you brought up Villari and laquint allen so laquint allen 120 yards on 27 carries two touchdowns he's a 53 yard punt return Unfortunately, the two-point conversion, Syracuse down 24-22. They've got to go for two. LaQuint rolls to his right. I don't think that's the play they wanted to run in that spot. He gets flushed. He can't. He barely gets the pass off. Can't complete it. It falls short. Georgia Tech gets the ball. And Syracuse's defense all night, Emily, gave that offense opportunities. They gave them two turnovers that they couldn't turn into points. They got Georgia Tech off the field time and time again. And the Syracuse offense did take advantage of it at times but when they needed him the most georgia tech just ran right up their gut what was it 75 yards i believe on that last drive 19 yard touchdown run by king and the theme of this team in the dino baber's era frankly but particularly the last couple of years penalty strike again syracuse helped georgia tech get up the field a couple of times there so look valari and Allen are taking on the lion's share of this offense. Allen's in the wildcat running this thing. They did all they could. And I've never had an issue with LaQuinn Allen. I still don't. He has just been... It's unfortunate that the results don't always match the effort there. The last couple weeks, he has been as good as you could ask him to be. Valari the same. But Georgia Tech certainly knew what was coming more and was able to control it. Whereas Pittsburgh, for four quarters, just looked lost and was a lost football team. But Georgia Tech has a functioning passing game, Emily, and had a lot more to play for in this game and ultimately won out here. Now, there's a few things I want to bring up on the penalty front, right? So, we brought up the last drive. When Braden Davis goes deep, ineligible receiver downfield. Syracuse had a face mask on offense. There was a situation when Georgia Tech had a procedure penalty. It's first and 15, and Dino Baber strangely declines the penalty, right? couple plays later, fourth and one, guess what happens? Syracuse jumps offsides. Georgia Tech keeps going up the field, right? What was up with that? Why decline that penalty? It's like, oh, it's only five yards. I'm not giving five yards to Georgia Tech. In, in any way shape or form and they almost got away with it they forced him to fourth down but then there's another penalty once again just th- this pattern that this team just cannot break
1: yeah this is this is on me i chose the wrong penalty to ask post game because i kind of forgot that had happened honestly just because it ended up being moot and they they got the first down eventually anyway i the penalty i asked about was the non-call on the late hit on LaQuint in the first Mm -hmm. quarter and then whatever happened with Umari over on the sideline which I know you guys couldn't see on the broadcast we could like barely see down over the edge like I could tell something was happening down there but I couldn't see like what it was and Dino unfortunately was like I need to watch that again it was on their sideline like I couldn't really say anything about it at this moment um and I asked like LaQuint like did you feel like that was a late hit on you like just curious if, oh it was you yeah. could tell yeah which i think we all saw pretty cr- clearly and laquan was like no you know i'm living in the moment it was a hard hit though it kind of made me like <laughs> chuckle was. at how yeah. hard it was afterwards because he he really got knocked so i'm not i'm not sure about the calling for the um the non-penalty and going for this the second down instead of the the first well 15 there. he
0: looked to rocky long on that play and got advice from rocky so if rocky longs telling him to decline that penalty for some reason i don't understand that in the least but a few other things that from the decision-making department we got to ask about and one of our commenters on facebook just brought this up and i showed it why are you sending brady Denenberg out there to kick a 50-yard field goal it's fourth and three forget analytics emily the analytics do tell you to go for it how about common sense you just got a turnover. You're pushing up the field. Valari and LaQuint are running well. And you Brady Denneberg, no offense, kid, but he has done nothing to earn the right to kick a 50-yard field goal. If that's Andre Schmidt, I'm still having to think about that. Okay, And that is an NFL-level kicker who, unfortunately, is not in the NFL right now. But Andre Schmidt's one of the best kickers Syracuse has ever had. I would still have to think about it with him, let alone a new kicker who has missed a bunch from distance. So I got to question that decision. There was that spot, it's 24-16, Georgia Tech gets a penalty, and Dino has the opportunity to take that penalty, get the ball on the one, and go for two. The football gods intervene, Jack Stonehouse botches the snap, Syracuse can't get the extra point off, which, you know, it all adds up when you've got an offense, uh, the wackadoodle offense that's trying to do all it can to score. Um, It's fourth down. And you put Allen in the wildcat instead of like just letting Dan Villari bull ahead, put Schrader in there. Schrader actually came in for another fourth and one play, which he got. So look, Emily, I say all this like Syracuse got blown out. They were in this game, but see, it's these decisions. It's these game time decisions, which we frequently have pointed to with Dino Babers that have cost them and it cost them in this game. Execution caught him to cost him too penalties. On players cost them too. It wasn't all on the coaches here. But a lot of those decisions just get amplified in a game like this, particularly a game that ended up being close, believe it or not.
1: Yeah, I did ask about the the fourth and three, um, as kind of a standard Dino answer in in these scenarios, which we've had multiple of. Um I kind of prefaced it with, I know you've told us that. Brady can hit these, but we have not seen that with our own eyes. Right. And he was like, he was like, well, that was still early in the game. It was early to mid second quarter. So not super early. That was one of the drives that drive came off Isaiah Johnson's interception. Um, and Syracuse was already down, I guess, just seven, three at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, he was like, Do you know, was like well Brady had the length on it it was wide right right and i it was wide right i believe so i affirmed that yes um, yes it was yep so i i don't know it it's it's weird it always just seems to be like it's too early in the game we're not going to go for it and like i don't know that just seems to be his mentality about it and i guess he does not want to change that mentality about it
0: which I don't understand, especially at this point and where they're at, not only as a team this year, but where they're at in his tenure. And it's it's just, uh, it's, it's Groundhog Day in a way. It's a lot of the same things that keep coming up. Emily, what are some other things that, that jumped out to you here before we uh, listen to some voicemails and, and wrap things up here? Just like we said, there's a lot of little things that added up. The penalties. George Tech knew what was coming, but Syracuse still pushed them to the brink. We mentioned the defensive failings late, but this is a defense that I think another common thing for this team kind of held its own long enough in this game. <clears throat> excuse me, and gave this team opportunities here. But maybe what were some other things said in post game or a couple other things that that jumped out to you about this one?
1: Yeah, you know, honestly, with it being, another weird offensive game and and it being both offensive players who, who were requested and who came out, it was very offense heavy post game. I would say like the few interesting things we haven't really touched on. um, I asked everyone about, or I asked both LaQuint and uh, Dan about Braden Davis and going out there with him and having him in, in the play calling role that Schrader was in last week where he's, he's quarterbacking from the field and like, Giving the online line the calls, but isn't actually doing stuff under center. Um, and they were both highly complimentary of the way he kind of stepped in and and did, um, did that aspect of the job. And obviously that was his first collegiate game that he's like appeared in really. Um, I, I believe he like played a drive early in the season for Syracuse, but this was like the first time that he was in early and like actually – had it mattered. So they were very complimentary of him. Obviously I know fans were frustrated by some of the stuff that happens, but, um, that is worth noting with him. He's a young kid. He's a transfer. They sent him in there cause they felt good about it. Um, ran this offense again, not because of Georgia tech's bad rushing defense, but legitimately just because it's the only healthy players they have and they need to lean on, um, Allen and, and Valari. uh, that's what Dino said, I asked him kind of point blank, I was like, did this have anything to do with what Georgia Tech's defense was showing or just what you, what you have? Um, He did say that Schrader was less healthy this week than he had been going into pit, which makes sense because you played him in a game that you probably didn't want to play him in um, with whatever specific injury it is that he has going on with his throwing arm and throwing shoulder. Um, and then I think just kind of the, the third and final thing I, I did ask, why go, why put McPhail in and have him throw that pass the very end of the game? Why not? Yeah. Um, he, he apparently of the quarterbacks they had available, which again was McPhail and Davis because Schrader can't throw and Carlos was not here, which we didn't mention yet, but Carlos never injury. He has kept him back in Syracuse for this game. Um, McPhail knows the two minute drill offense, the best, um, which makes sense. He's been around longer than Davis has. Um, but just kind of an unfortunate circumstance to have to. Yeah. On we the should know, for. by
0: the way, Carlos Del Rio Wilson didn't even travel uh, through yeah, this no. game. If people were wondering why they didn't go to him, he wasn't even there. He wasn't even available. Yeah. That lower body injury that he suffered against Boston college was not in the pit game and uh, didn't even travel for this game. So I would, uh, uh, assuming uh there's a reason the first letters of that word are what they are but uh i would assume that he's not gonna be available next week if he didn't even travel with the team but uh, we shall see both quarterbacks not available to the media last week and we'll see how this week goes in that case all right to the voicemails we go now i don't want to confuse the people out here our voicemail line is different than our text line okay the voicemail number you see on your screen at 315-552-1964. That's our voicemail line we've been using here on the post-game show. And a couple of them came in, starting with uh, Jermaine. Hey,
2: Britt, this is uh, Papo Jones, <laughs> uh, that's my new name. Nah, just kidding, it's uh, Jermaine. It's Crowder, you know me from watching the platform, but I gotta say, uh, we still got one more chance at boat eligibility next week if we don't get it, I guess, this might be Dino's last year. I really love, you know, I'm really going to, you know, this is his last year, I'm really going to miss him, you know. You know, uh, appreciate all what he was trying to do for the program, but um, as far as his game goes, you know, a little a little disappointing because uh, the first half of offense was just a real struggle. And Schrader, you know, uh, he's just coming back from injury, so was really no surprise, but it was really tough for him and uh, Allen and, just the whole Syracuse team as well. You know, our defense, you know, we missed a couple of opportunities too. But overall, I just feel, you know, the Syracuse team, we're going to have to find a way to rebound next season. You know, I really thought we were going to have a decent season this year. You know, I really thought we were really going to beat Clemson this year, especially because they were too improved. They weren't to be underestimated. Don't get me wrong because, you know, they did make some win this tremendous- uh, accomplishments this season. They did prove me wrong in a lot of couple games. They almost would have upset at the Seminoles, but, um, in all seriousness, you know, it just a tough, tough year. Uh, that being said, uh, let's just hope for the best for the Orange going forward this season. Hopefully we'll see them bowling. If not, um, go Orange. We'll see you next year. Rebound.
0: I like uh, the long pause at the beginning and how Jermaine went back and forth a lot there. Emily's like, Oh, maybe they get to a bowl game, but Oh, they could have done this. Like he's, he's trying to talk himself into thinking there's, there's still something to play for. And technically there is for this team next week.
1: Yeah. It it made me, it made me think of a couple more uh, points to the bigger picture here again, too, which one heading into this season, this, there were nine winnable games on this schedule. And now they are looking at a maximum of six wins in the regular season. Nine winnable games. Like, everyone coming into this season, us, fans, national media, were like, there's a three-game stretch of Clemson, UNC, and Florida State. That's going to be really tough. But otherwise, Syracuse's schedule looks pretty manageable. They should be able to do this. And yet, here we are. And I think that, again, like, speaks to – what's going on here. Um, and, you know, I it, it feels like a lot of people just from hearing that reaction and then seeing people online are pretty resigned that if, if Syracuse gets that six win next week and makes the bowl, then it's just, okay, we're going to keep on keeping on and things aren't going to change. And maybe this is putting too much stock in, in Syracuse athletics and Jim and Wildhack, but I think just the responses they've got from people and looking at the fact that this should have been a 9-3 and season, looking at the fact that even the games against their peer peer schools have gone this way and that they're dealing with the same issues again and again, like, I don't know. Maybe maybe, Wild Hack will see what's going on here.
0: Well, I feel like this is why we've got to be careful. And I remember saying in the beginning of the season in some of our preview shows, like, if you get to six wins, how could you not go forward? How could you not give a contract extension, et cetera, et cetera? The lesson is you got to see, and the bigger word here, Emily, is you got to feel what it looks like, right? What does it look like? How did you get there? What does it feel like, right? And even if they win and the feeling is relief that you avoided being a sub-500 team, then what does that say for a coach at the end of his eighth year, right? A couple more voicemails, though, including this one from Andre.
2: Yes, Brent, this is Andre in Syracuse. Hey, so I just watched the last part of this game and, uh, I was just trying to figure out how do you expect the third string quarterback, uh, to make any plays if he doesn't get any playing time? Uh, I mean, both quarterbacks are, uh, injured and not throwing the ball, the one and two, which is Del Rio and, uh, Schrader. So I'm just, I'm just trying to understand why hadn't McPhil got any throwing, you know, any playing time whatsoever you know you know he's the only passing quarterback you got so just uh let me know why he wouldn't give me playing time and then be expected to make the plays down the field at the end of the game thank you
0: Andre it's a fair question maybe not Luke McPhail unfortunately we saw you know what he did when he came in there's a reason he's the fourth string guy but how can Braden Davis only throw one pass in this game. Emily, he was on the field as a wide receiver. They actually put him on the field. I don't know how many snaps he got, but it was a bunch. And, I mean, we're talking about, like, I don't know, eight to ten throws. He's not capable of eight to ten intermediate throws. We're not telling him to chuck it down the field. And The one pass he did was a deep shot to the end zone. I can't fathom that Braden Davis is not capable of throwing eight to ten intermediate passes. And if he's not, he's not. But they're in a desperate situation. Why would you not put him in there to at least see desperate times call for desperate measures? And knowing that Del Rio Wilson was out, knowing, of course, the last few weeks, the traders and the situation he's in, I guess you can't rush development on certain guys. If they're not ready, they're not ready. And he's a young player. But, man, how does he throw one pass in this game? I'm still befuddled by that.
1: Look. I mean, Syracuse is going to have to go to the transfer portal this offseason for a quarterback. They need to bring in someone veteran.
0: No doubt. Like
1: that's 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 just what needs to happen. I think to play a little devil's advocate here, it's clearly not that McPhail and Davis are, like, physically incapable of making these throws. We watched them pass fine in in pregame. I'm sure one of them was the one helping run practice this week and, and taking snaps. I would guess Braden, because of his involvement, um, over Luke. We talked about why Luke was the one they sent in for the two-minute um, kind of potential last drive gone awry. I, I think the problem is as a third or fourth string guy, and this isn't like any scenario, like having to go in, you don't have the chemistry with the wide receivers or the consistency or just the connection to get timing right, to know who is going to be your most reliable, to Know who excels in which routes and like who's going to be the best to hit. Like, I think it's more of the mental side, and that's not an excuse for them just not trying to pass at all. But it's not like a physical capability thing because I saw a lot of people like throwing out both of their high school stats on Twitter, and it's like, yeah, that doesn't matter, but they're quarterbacks, they can throw the ball. But here, but how often is McPhail practicing with Alford? Never
0: true, but if you can create the offense they ran against Pittsburgh last week in 72 hours, basically, you can create some kind of basic simplified passing attack, where Braden Davis can throw a pass to Damian Alford. he can throw a pass to Amari Hatcher, he can throw a pass to Dan Villari, who's doing everything else for this team right now. Like,
1: see, I'm gonna. Counter- I'm, I think
0: you can. You can. At the very least, you gotta try. Like, at the very you least, though. you gotta try
1: because and again like i still think there should have been more variety in this and there was increased variety from the pit game but again like you can put the concepts in place but not knowing the receiver does not mean the concept's going to go over well when that receiver is in coverage and all of that stuff like you can write up like okay brayden we want you to throw to alfred on the on the five yard out route or whatever if he's in coverage and Brayden doesn't have the the experience with him to make sure he's hitting him in that right spot. I think it's also why Schrader was struggling early in the season is that he lost his most reliable target, like the guy that could most consistently catch the ball, the one he knew the, the best. And so it is frustrating to watch and I get that and like it's just as frustrating for me to watch football that's for the most part, just two to three yard r- runs, it's not the most exciting. Um, but I I also don't think it is as simple or like as black and white as like why are they not throwing the ball?
0: And Emily, I'm tapping my right arm because I'm going to the bullpen. We're bringing in the closer, the run. one and only, Rock and Ron.
3: Hey Brent, it's Rock and Ron of Florida. Just want to let you know, yes, there is. Two halves to a game. First half, they looked terrible. Second half, I give a lot of credit, especially to LaQuinn. He's done a beautiful job tonight. But I'll tell you, the tackling is not good. And when we, we're we not going to win tonight. Tell you right up front. And uh, the other thing, next week we play a tougher D, and they're going to stack the line. If we don't have a quarterback that can't pass, turn out the light. The party is definitely over. And if that's the way it is, goodbye, Dino.
0: Tell Rock and Ron, my friend bye. Closing it out as always. Now I got to disagree with Rock and Ron. I don't think Wake Forest is a tougher team than what they saw tonight. But his point is taken about. Two weeks of this, Syracuse is struggling in a lot of ways, and if Wake Forest is going to pull it off, uh, they, they certainly have a lot of advantages uh, to, to do what Georgia Tech did and, and what Pittsburgh couldn't a week ago. Motivation is a huge factor next week. What what kind of crowd is there going to be at the Dome? Students are out of town for Thanksgiving weekend. It's not going to be a very moted uh, local crowd to get in there, certainly. Uh, George, Wake Forest yeah, their season's over in a sense, but they probably want to go out with a win and Dave Clawson still has that team, uh, you know, in hand. And I think they're, they're going to come in and play hard. Uh, Georgia tech, or pardon me, uh, Wake Forest Clawson and Babers are friends, right? So there's a respect factor there, but Emily, I mean, we're not going to answer that question until next week is Emily's on the move as we close out the, the post game show here in the Georgia tech cup, uh, Press box there. Final thoughts before we close out. There is uh, you're on the move, ready to close out the night in Atlanta.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I I think we hit on a lot of it. It's it's just, yes, they can they can still get that bowl game they want next week, but like, is that enough for this program? Is that enough for the players on this team? Is that enough? for Dino to keep his job is that enough for this fan base and the alumni that are watching these games every week um and I don't I don't know that it is because you look at how they got here and it's just not pretty compared to how people thought this season could go
0: it's going to be a fascinating time here in the next week to answer a lot of these questions that are out there we thank you for watching and listening to Syracuse football post game presented by Krause Health once again We would love for you to be in our Syracuse Sports Insider Text Club, 315-847-3895. That is the number. Text orange to that number. Try it for two weeks. Absolutely free. Just three ninety nine a month. Three ninety nine a month. After that, you can text me directly. My opinions first. First reaction to breaking news, opinions, things that are out there. Text me during games, as our early members of the text club were doing tonight. All kinds of fun stuff that will keep you updated as the weeks go here, including priority and in your take on this post game show, the basketball post game shows, and the Syracuse Sports Podcast as well. Emily, thank you. We will uh, catch up with you soon, of course. Look for Emily's coverage on Syracuse.com from this game and going into next week with the season finale. Regular season finale. Season finale, question mark, which one will it be? The Orange taking out Wake Forest next week. But uh, this one, they lose to Georgia Tech 31-22. This has been Syracuse football post game presented by Krause Health, the exclusive health care provider of SU Athletics. We'll catch you next time, guys.